This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Burnley nil, Liverpool 3. Guy Clark here. Thanks for joining us for the latest post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. Nat Phillips then answering the Reds' calls for a hero in East Lancashire, grabbing his first Liverpool goal between Roberto Firmino and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain strikes to send the Reds into the top four. We've plenty to come here on post-game. Jurgen Klopp's press conference, the Echo's Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorst, as well as our regular contributors as the Reds get back into the top four for the first time since since February. Let's get into it then and first off to Turfmore and to Paul Gorst. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool are now surely just three points away from a place in next season's Champions League after the 3 0 win here against Burnley this evening. Uh, goals from Roberto Firmino, Nat Phillips, and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain have taken them above Leicester into the top four. Um, for the first time in a long while, uh, Liverpool now have plus four goal difference on the Foxes. Uh, who play Tottenham on Sunday afternoon so uh, Liverpool in the driving seats as far as the top four goes um, this uh, was a, a little, little bit of a difficult start for the Reds uh, three and a half thousand Burnley fans inside for this one and they made it, made their presence known the first time that they've been here in, in well over a year and uh, were thoroughly enjoying their uh, evening until uh, Liverpool opened up the scoring towards the end of the first half with Firmino where he met Andy Robertson's low cross uh, and diverted it past um, goalkeeper uh, Norris, uh, the standing goalkeeper for Nick Pope, who was injured. Uh, in the second half, Liverpool came um, flying off the traps, and, and Thiago, in particular, pulling the strings in midfield. They uh, always looked uh, a cut above their hosts, who were uh, keen to get a forward at every opportunity they could towards Chris Wood, who was often isolated against the two centre backs of uh, Rhys Williams and, and Matt Phillips. And it was Phillips who, who made a 2 0, powering in ahead of him, Sadio Mane's cross. His first uh, Liverpool goal and one that he'll cherish, no doubt, in a season that he'll never ever forget. Um, not too many are able to say that in the Liverpool squad this season, but Matt Phillips has certainly answered the call when he's been uh, called upon and um, enjoyed his first Liverpool goal before clearing off the line as Burnley uh, had a bit of a rally late on. But it was left to Oxley Chamberlain off the bench for his first Liverpool goal of the season. Uh, Power and pass there, the goalkeeper with a, a, a well struck left footed effort towards the end of the game so Liverpool uh, collecting an ultimately comfortable three points here it's now seven wins in the last nine uh, a nine game unbeaten run for the Reds dating back to March uh, they're peaking at uh, just the perfect time ahead of Sunday's game against Crystal Palace with 10,000 fans inside Anfield for that one so three points in Liverpool will surely be able to end what has been a, an at times difficult season a harrowing season on the injury front uh, on a, something of a high with uh, confirming their place in next season's Champions League so that uh, on to Crystal Palace now, but it's finished here at Turf Moor, Liverpool 3, Burnley 0. Paul Gorst at Turf Moor for the Echoes. The Reds ran out 3-0 winners in the end. The goal difference now four better than Leicester's with the two clubs level on 66 points ahead of the final day of the season. Well, Nat Phillips, the man of the moment with both his first goal for the Reds and a key goal line clearance yet again, this time with a score at 2-0. You just wonder how crucial that block was as well as the one of course last week at Old Trafford in what was another crucial win for the Reds. Time now though to hear from Jurgen Klopp and what he made of the performance and its significance. Here he is speaking with the media. Hi Jurgen. Um, obviously uh, I've heard you say about this is the semi-final um, and the final is on Sunday but uh, how pleased are you that you're in this situation after all the struggles of this season? 
oh, I couldn't be more pleased, to be honest. It's, I never expected that. It's not that I take things like this for granted. I knew this, this season is, for us, an incredibly tough, tough, tough season. And um, I think really weeks ago, I don't know exactly when, I heard now on Valentine's Day, 4th of February, <laughs> um, we was the last time we were in the top four, yeah? Because we didn't win a lot of games since then. Um, but now in the last eight, 10, I don't know exactly how many games, uh, we are back on track. And um, if we win it, um, if we win on Sunday, then probably depends the result, obviously now from, from um, Leicester or Chelsea, uh, then we are probably qualified for the Champions League. And um, yeah, it's it's insane, but um, that, that 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 we came that close, but we are not through. And so, um, when you win the semi-final, you go to the final. That's where we are, and we will give our absolute everything to win that as well. And you said you've been in these situations a lot in your career as a manager, last day of the season, last gas situation. What have you learned over the years and what can you take into this final game that will, will help you get over the line? Just keep going, keep believing, um, keep improving. Um, don't put two games in one, like think about this and that. Concentrate and speak, stay focused on the next one. Um, don't think about the, the, the game after that, all these kind of things. Um, not massively, you just have to keep going and that's what we do, obviously. So it was, it's, it's incredibly tough what the boys have to do in a, in a moment, but, um, and you need to be lucky in moments as well, that's clear. Um, and so for tonight, it was good enough and now we have to make sure that we'll be good enough as well on Sunday. Okay, Joe, uh, Paul Joyce, which is the last hand up we have, if Paul wants to uh, unmute his... There we go, Paul. Hi, Jürgen. Um, I was just wondering, I mean, Nat Phillips w was influential at both ends of the pitch with the goal and then the goal line clearance. He's somebody who's taken an opportunity that he probably thought wouldn't come to him um, this season. Can you just, just how pleased are you for him for nights like very, this? Very pleased, very pleased. I love the boy, he knows that. But it's... Let us, if we, if we really make it or not, whatever. Let's talk after, after the Crystal Palace game. So just let's finish this season. And if you want, I write a book about both boys, about Nate and about Reese. It's no problem. But um, let's please um, play this, this game and let the boys um, stay focused, let them recover and all these kind of things. And then we, we can talk about that. I promise you, if you want, I answer you an hour question. About <laughs> There you go, Paul. We'll take you up on that. Nice one. <laughs> uh, Dave Maddock. And I think at the moment that's the final hand up. Um, okay. Jürgen, I'm just wondering what, what you feel about tonight's performance because you, you did show like a lot of uh, spirit and desire and courage. And uh, are you su suggesting this is one of the best performances of the season when it really matters? Yeah, really good. Really mature performance. Eh? So, and, and that was not the... A world-class start, let me say, like this. In the beginning, we looked like quite a little bit nervy. Our passing was really not accurate enough. We gave too many easy balls away, made it too easy for Burnley. But after around about 15 minutes, um, we found our feedback and then um, we played really good football. That's true. It was very helpful tonight to play that kind of football, to score that kind of goals. We missed the two biggest chances maybe of the game in the beginning. Um, but the way we played there already was really, really good. Scored a wonderful goal. 
Um, second goal from Ned, then outstanding skill from Sadio, nice little chip, then great, great um, header. Yeah. And the third goal, Oxley at its best. So you can, it looks like timing is right, but not done yet. We know that it's, um, it's because without a, that kind of performance, you have no chance here. Right? The Burnley is really too strong for that um, because the way they play, the way they went for our center halves, obviously tonight, that's um, so tricky to defend. And um, yeah, the boys did really well. We needed each single good performance on the pitch tonight. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Mike Holt, host of Go in the Match podcast, reviewing Burnley nil, Liverpool three. Before balls even kicked, you were looking at that Burnley lineup and thinking all sorts of conclusions in your head. The subkeeper coming on, you're thinking he's bound to turn into prime Buffon here and make 25 world world class saves, or a scrappy Chris Wood one nil job inevitably thinking the worst, knowing how close the Reds are to making top four now. And then minute one, we see the ball lifted into the box three or four times, and you sat there thinking, this is how the next 90 minutes is going to play out. But we also had a great chance with Manny there. So you're thinking, is this match going to end up being like a basketball match that might end up suiting the Reds? First 10, we struggled to get out slightly, some sloppy passing, and then the 25th minute, Chris Wood was through on goal with another direct ball from Burnley, but fires off target with a couple of minutes later, Thiago having a great chance to put the Reds 1-0 up, but drags his shot wide. And just when you were getting over that missed chance a couple of minutes later, Salah threw one-on-one with the keeper and lands it straight into Rosehead. And you sat there again thinking, come on lads, we're not going to have a million chances in this match. We need to show some ruthlessness of previous seasons. Towards the end of the half, we're looking very shaky at centre-half and I know he's learning on the job, but you could really see some sort of inexperience and nerves from Reese Williams there, whose starting position was quite questionable and at that point he did struggle to deal with the lofted balls over the top, just a little bit of poor judgement. And just as we're soaking up that pressure, Andy Robbo puts in a cross into the edge of the area, who finds Bobby Firmino on the edge of the box, who, truth be told, doesn't get the cleanest of strikes, but enough to get it on target for the keeper to concede and put the Reds 1-0 up. Not a great piece of goalkeeping by the debutant, but the perfect time to score just before half-time whistle. Starting the second half, you just felt it was crucial we didn't just rest on our laurels and we chased that second goal to create a little cushion for ourselves. We started well and started knocking it around much better than the first half, with more confidence and Firmino was finding more little pockets of space between the lines. Then Sadio Mane gets to the byline and dinks a lofted pass into the box for Nat Phillips to challenge Allison's header of the weekend into smashing it into the back of the net to make it 2-0. Anyone that knows me well and listens to my reviews on here will know how much admiration I've got for the job Phillips has done since he's come back in, and that was so well-deserved, and I'm so made up for him. From then on in, we really took the sting out of the game, we kept possession well, and Burnley looked like they were slightly tiring. But that being said, as that old saying goes, you're at your most vulnerable 2-0 up. Then Nat Phillips goes from heading it into the net to heading it out of our net and making a great clearance on the line to hold on to that clean sheet. Going into the last 10, Burnley were just doing a Burnley really and throwing the kitchen sink at it, floating aimless balls into the areas of the box and across the box into them corridors of uncertainty. You were then wanting some sort of game management from the Reds, which we've seen throughout the whole team, but that substitution in Milner 
which kind of gives us that at the needed time. Alongside Oxley chamberlain on for Bobby, who makes an instant impact with a great dummy in the box, shifts it onto his left and thumps it into the back of the net to make it 3-0 and increases that goal difference too. In terms of positive performance individually, let's start with my man of the match, Nat Phillips. He's got to be kept in our squad for next season. He's not put a foot out of place and has been incredible. Thiago's grown with every game recently and fitting into this starting eleven, Probably better alongside Fabinho for that. Bobby's looked alive wire since that brace at Old Trafford, which is encouraging to see going forward. And Salah was a constant threat, even without adding to that goal tally. And a mention for Reese Williams too, who I did think started shaky, but it looked a lot more assured and dealt with everything thrown at him in the second half. Nat Phillips and Alison Becker scoring headers to get Liverpool into Europe. Are we in a dream? If we are, I'm quite happy to not wake up from it. Palace at home for the Reds on Sunday, with 10,000 fans back at Anfield, a moment we've all been waiting for, and hope for the lads give us that vital win to put a good outcome onto what's been a really tough season. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's big 3-0 win at Burnley. What a relief that was in the end. It was a very, very nervy, stressful first half for me. I thought neither side looked like they were going to score. Burnley were, were pretty poor in front of goal, but we were as bad easily. We were also very squeaky in the centre of defence. And Nat Phillips had one or two if he touches. Reese Williams really looked a big problem every time he had the ball at his feet. He's... He's a funny player when he doesn't need time to think, when he needs to get his foot in or his body in the way to make a block or when he needs to just climb high and head a ball clear. He does a sound job, but when the ball's at his feet and he needs to distribute it laterally or forward, he he does struggle a little bit. Uh, and this wasn't something that I noticed in his, in his early contribution uh, during the season, but in this game he, he did look very nervous. And Liverpool's central defenders, in fact the entire back line and their defensive midfielders, need that quality. The ability to take a touch and then move the ball on or even hit it first time. Um, exemplified usually by Jordan Henderson. That's a big part of Liverpool's game and if, if he can't manage that then uh, that's going to be a problem for him going forward. But a touch on central defenders uh, in, a, in a little while. The dreadful finishing in front of goal for us in, in that first half. Even Bobby's goal was you know, by no means clinical. Uh, he got the ball on target, which is, which is good, but the goalkeeper should have done better and a huge relief to go in uh, to the break, a goal up, then to have the second goal come just uh, at the start of the second half was a very calming influence on Liverpool fans, I'm quite sure. I certainly settled down a little bit after that. And, and great stuff from Nat Phillips. I think he's probably sealed his place in the squad for next season. Um, if, you look at the, if you look at the defenders we've got, Virgil van Dijk, Joel Gomez, uh, sorry, Joel Matip and Joe Gomez, you'd think would, be, would still be your, your top three as it were. A little bit of a doubt maybe now about Matip and maybe even Gomez in terms of just how prone they are to injuries. But I think Liverpool will keep them. I don't think any of those three will will be gone in the summer. Uh, if we are getting accurate reports about Konate coming along, and that's good news, you've got four world-class defenders there 
for, remember, we're only looking to fill two spots. Nat Phillips then would be, I think, a very, very able fifth defender. Um, Kabak, because he's he's with us on loan, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think that probably means he's going to go because if we want him, we have to pay for him. And if we're paying for Konate, then I don't see a need to purchase yet another central defender. And I think that leaves Reese Williams some way down the line, which, you know, he's still a young player. So you, you say there's plenty of scope for development, but I just can't see that he can be a Liverpool player uh, on an ongoing basis, even with that maturity that's bound to come. And um, I think he, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on Liverpool's books come the start of next season. Nat Phillips, man of the match, but wasn't it good to see Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain come in? I think the pre-season will be good for him. Obviously not going to be involved in the Euros. Um, there is always, isn't there, even though there's only a few weeks really between the end of one season and the beginning of another these days, there is always a fresh start for players. And I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain will benefit from that, from that fresh start. He was a real contributor just before he got injured uh, before the Champions League final, if I'm not mistaken, that would have been in 2019. Um, and, I, and I think, I think uh, his contribution is, is certainly something that we can look forward to in the coming season, particularly as I think there's going to be, there's going to be changes, developments, evolution up front for Liverpool with Mane still not firing on all cylinders and not looking like he's he's going to recover that kind of form. Um, Bobby Firmino, well, we've seen some decline there, but still contributes from time to time. And Diogo Jota, obviously, is going to, is going to have um, a big impact on Liverpool's near future. So I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain could well be in the mix there. Big result for Liverpool, even bigger team to come at the weekend. Really looking forward to that. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Steve Dawson following on from Mike Holt from the Going The Match podcast. Of course, there'll be 10,000 Reds heading back to Anfield on Sunday as Roy Hodgson brings Crystal Palace to Liverpool for his final game in charge of the Eagles. We're time now, though, on post-game before we hear from Hannah and Mark to see what you're saying in the Blood Red podcast Facebook group. Paul Tacey writes, Liverpool break into the top four for the first time in three months. We never do it the easy way, but so proud of this group of players and staff. If we finish the job, what an achievement by Jürgen and the boys. You'll never walk alone. Wes Bradshaw writes, The finish line is in touching distance. What a run by the Reds. One final to go. Anfield will be a cauldron on Sunday. You'll never walk alone, lads. Alan Downey says, Nat Phillips, Liverpool legend. Scored one, headed another off the line. Totally solid at the back. Man of the match. And Bobby might not have scored so many goals this season, but boy, does he come up with them when we need them. One to go with a crowd at Anfield. Come on, you Reds. You'll never walk alone. 
And Daryl Kavanagh writes, Made up for Nat, always gets slaughtered by idiotic fans, but I love him. Good old-fashioned centre-back. Good in the air, good positioning, etc., but a bit slow by Prem standards. If we spend £20 on Kabak and sell him, it'll be a crime. Potentially saved our season with the block on the line against United and the goal tonight. Well, for more in the Blood Red Podcast Facebook group, follow the link in the description of the podcast, or just head to Facebook yourself and search for Blood Red. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Final two voices to hear from now. Mark Baker to come, but not before. Hannah Pinnock. Burnley nil, Liverpool three. <laughs> what a win. And we can finally breathe a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously after the weekend's win over West Brom, uh, performance like that was needed really um and a result like that I'm incredibly happy for this team that you know we've played ourselves back into top four contention obviously the job's not done yet um you know we've got a big game against Crystal Palace at the weekend but I'm confident that this team can get us over the line um it's crazy because you know a couple of months ago it felt like top four had well and truly slipped through our grasp and and that you know we were going to be playing Europa League football that was becoming a very stark reality but somehow we've turned things around and I think that's testament to to this team and the fact that they're doing it in the circumstances you know with the injuries that we've had is is nothing short of sensational and you know if, if we do get it over the line at the weekend which hopefully we do but it's a nerve-wracking opening to the game I mean we had the better chances we could have been two or three nil up in the opening 15-20 minutes um some absolute sitters that we really should have scored which is a bit of a story of our season really you know the front three play well they create the chances but we can't finish um so when Bobby got the opener that was just shows what happens when you actually put a shot on target um but yeah, I mean, Burnley were really putting the pressure on and, and it was incredibly nerve-wracking. Surprisingly, they attacked a little bit more than than they usually do. But I mean, you know, they've got their fans back in. And that's what I think, you know, made me feel the most nervous at kickoff was knowing that, that they had their home crowd behind them and the boost that that would have given them. And a lot of the players aren't really used to, to playing with fans after you know, the last year without them. So um, that I was a little bit wary of. Um, I think it's different when it's your own home crowd, but I don't think we dealt with it particularly well because we were sloppy and there was a lot of misplaced passes. You know, early in the first half, you could see Robertson literally telling everyone to calm down, which was quite ironic because he was, I think, one of the players that maybe didn't have the best of games, if I'm being completely honest. But we did turn it around and I think, you know, Bobby get, get getting the goal gave us that little bit of, of confidence and things settled a little bit. Um, although I would say early in the second half before before Nat got his second, even when Nat Phillips did get his second, which might I add was a sensational header from the defender and his goal line clearance as well. I thought Nat Phillips was man of the match. Um, if not him, Thiago, because I thought Thiago had a sensational game as well. Um but even at 2-0, it was nervy because Burnley looked like they could have scored and we sat back a little bit and we we were absorbing a lot of pressure. So that was, <laughs> I mean, my heart rate <laughs> was, 
my heart rate was not enjoying that. But yeah, I mean, Klopp got his substitution spot on. I was a little bit confused to see Ox come on before Milner. I thought Milner was the the sensible substitution to make, but can't question it because Ox comes on and gets the goal and and we're 3-0 up and it's a comfortable win. So yeah, I think on the whole it was a very positive performance and, you know, I think the scoreline... The scoreline doesn't necessarily tell the whole story because I was definitely, definitely a lot more nervous than than that suggests. But yeah, I'm just relieved, relieved that you know we haven't, because I think the most heartbreaking thing would have been for Allison to score that late winner against West Brom, and then we completely mess it up by losing to Burnley or drawing with Burnley. So the fact that we've pushed on now and got that win is, is massive and. Like I said, I'm I'm confident, quietly confident that we'll we'll get the job done. But obviously, it's still all to play for. Um, but the goal difference definitely helps. Now we've we've increased that a bit. So hopefully, Spurs can do a job on Leicester. But I wouldn't count on it after their defeat to Villa today. So all, all positive. Um, and you know, I think we'll finish the season in a much better position than a lot of us thought we would. So on to Palace. Massive result for Liverpool at Burnley and one that puts them in a really good position going into the Crystal Palace game at the final. One of the seasons to possibly try and get Champions League qualification. I think the female scoreline um, doesn't do justice really to the game as a whole and I felt it pretty much played out or I felt it would. I felt that Liverpool were going to have stages where they were really vulnerable because of the deficiencies they have currently in the centre-half positions. And also it could be a tricky afternoon if they were to to miss chances at the other end, which, <laughs> uh, going with the theme of the season, carries on. But I think I'll touch on the, obviously, the defensive frailties first of all, because I think even though the game was won by a margin in the end, again, just like the West Bromwich Albion game, there was moments when the opposition could have taken the lead, where the opposition could have got back into the game, and Liverpool certainly looked very vulnerable at certain moments and that mainly came from Rhys Williams' side of the pitch the left-hand side and I think this is no slight on Rhys Williams he's doing a really as good a job as his current level will allow him to do playing for Liverpool playing to a side who defend very aggressively have a high defensive shape and at this moment in time what that really requires is elite physicality but if that isn't there it also requires really good game intelligence, understanding and reading the game. And at this moment in time, he's just not there. I mean, both physically and in his, his understanding, his awareness on the field, the play of his positions. I mean, at times, obviously, getting caught in his channel. Pretty straightforward balls over the top. Percentage balls that Burnley are playing. Don't forget, Burnley are very limited in terms of what they can do with a football at the highest level. However, they didn't change the game plan or were never likely to coming in against Liverpool side, which the deficiency is glaringly obvious to everyone who operates against them at this moment in time. So, I mean, at times Chris Wood was making runs in behind and into that channel and it just seemed like every time he was going to get in a foot race with Williams, he was going to run away from him, which is massively concerning and one liber- and, a, and a situation and a deficiency that Liverpool are doing extremely well, I would suggest, to cover up as much as they have in the games that he's played beforehand. Going forward, obviously, against Crystal Palace, it'll be a slightly different type of threat. Again, it'll be direct, but on the counter-attack, Crystal Palace obviously have much 
better players in one v one scenarios, much more mobility, much more pace, and again that will stretch the centre half pairing in different ways because they may be forced when the ball turns over to occupy them wider areas. And again, you wouldn't really want to see either in a foot race, especially Williams and Liverpool have got to do really well to to cover up that deficiency. So again, I don't think it'll be a game in which we'll be without its issues. And I suppose it, it lends itself to, to thinking how well Liverpool have done in terms of having such problems and not being able to have the player profiles to save them best in the in the way they operate in their style of play, which is obviously defending aggressively and high. So, uh, looking at Liverpool, though, to for them to have got in themselves into this position, I felt it was not short of a miracle a few weeks ago. I've got to be honest, I never felt they looked like a team who could go on a run and put consecutive victories together. And I think I've been quite critical this season sometimes of the players and the manager, because as much as I feel there's been obviously obvious problems, I felt that the general performance, the decision making of the manager, and also the performances on the player of the players on the field, should have been better than the level they've actually shown, and they could, should have accumulated more points. But I think you've got to give them great credit in this situation that they've been able to go into the final day with Champions League qualification in their own hands, which which just wouldn't seem likely uh, not so long ago or a few games ago. So I think just to touch on, I think there's been a collective effort, obviously, in terms of the players to be able to get over the line in the majority of these games. But I think there has been individuals who stood out, and obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold is one of them, who I've always been a massive fan of. I think he's a unique and fantastic footballer from that deeper area. I've mentioned before about the, his ability to carve out opportunities from over different distances with his range of passing, the variety in his passing, and also the quality of his delivery from wide areas. And at times during Liverpool's run, because I think obviously sometimes you think of the last month, for example, when you think of how Liverpool have gained results, but I actually think that for the last few months, at times he's been Liverpool's only creative force and he's almost carried Liverpool in terms of his advances into the final third, his ability to carry the ball and then produce with the technique in his right boot. I think he really has stepped up a level defensively. I think he's been excellent as well. Obviously, Salah getting crucial goals and it can never be understated how valuable he is to Liverpool. I've mentioned before that sometimes the almost the scruffiness in his game and the unpleasingness on the eye, he's not a aesthetically pleasing player the way he moves and travels with the ball at times in terms of his dribbling technique and sometimes um, the way he can, can strike the ball almost. Sometimes doesn't lend itself to him getting the the praise that his actual contributions and his goal-saving contributions and match-winning contributions are often valued. So he has to get a mention. And, and the final one would be Thiago for me, who is a fantastic footballer and a player I've loved for years, one of the top midfield players in Europe. And I mean, when you when you break down him as a footballer, a fantastic technician. Fantastic for breaking lines with passages, progressing the ball up the field, advancing the team up the field of play. And I think, again, something I've mentioned before, but you know, this narrative that, well, he, oh, he hasn't scored any goals or he hasn't made any assists. I really don't know what player people felt they were getting or hadn't done any real watching of the player throughout his career because that was never going to be the case. This is a player who feeds the attacking players in the final third. Now, Liverpool, as we know, have been really unproductive in terms of the attacking players but I think 
what sometimes people miss is because he's that deeper line midfield player, he's almost a connection piece from the back line into what would be your number 10 or your creative midfield player. So you can imagine Coutinho picking the ball up in them little half spaces in Liverpool's final third. Well, Liverpool don't have a connecting player like that. So often Thiago was going straight into the front men, who, as I've mentioned before, although being fantastic footballers, are better in the transition side of the game. So they're better in terms of performing in chaos when the ball's turned over. You know, they're very explosive players rather than being adept at controlling the ball in tight areas against vastly armed back lines or defensive units of teams who have multiple players between the midfield section of the pitch and the, and the goal. And I think sometimes because there's not that clean connection, it can often look, well, okay, what exactly is he doing? You know, you, it, it's not as visible on the eye, but he's still advancing the ball up to the field to play more than virtually any player in the division. So, Looks positive for Liverpool. And if you'd said this to me a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have believed you really. So really positive night. And hopefully Liverpool can salvage what's been a very difficult season. Mark, with the final say, following on from Hannah here on Post Game, looking forward to Sunday's showdown with Crystal Palace. Well, make sure you join us across Blood Red for all our build-up to the game. And of course, get your reaction here with us on Post Game following the result on Sunday. But tonight, it's all about Nat Phillips. Following on in Alisson's footsteps, the latest cult hero of a crazy campaign to etch his name into Liverpool folklore, but still crucially one more step to take. You've been listening to the post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.